Hi, everybody. This is Mark Dodson, voice of the Gremlins. Yum, yum. <laughs> and you're listening to and watching? It's a podcast. You're just, it's, you're just listening. You're li- can you cut this? Oh, yeah. Can you edit? I cut good, good but thing. I might not because it's okay. just fun enough. Well, we'll just leave it. I, I would li- okay, so, but anyway, this is the podcast, An Elegant Weapon. <laughs> an Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 143. My name is Jay the Jedi Ross, and welcome to our great Philadelphia Comic-Con Extravaganza 2015. For you regular listeners out there, you may have just noticed the lack of a big flick, but many, many bics were flicked indeed. In fact, I'm very proud to say that a bic was finally flicked to, in fact, ignite my first Philly Blunt in Philly. Oh my god, it was delicious. It was like it was like a sweet cognac. It was so, so good. Had a great time down in Philadelphia. Before I get into anything, let me thank the organizers of the great Philadelphia Comic Con. Uh, Christopher Wirtz, Carla Wirtz, you people are wonderful. Thank you so much for your hospitality and allowing little old me to come on down and cover the event. And cover it I did indeed. We have a lot of fun stuff coming to you over the next few episodes. Definitely too much stuff to pack into one. Uh, Let's start at the beginning. It was very, very nice to see old friends. Uh, The art of old school. Craig, good times hanging out. Toxic Radio, you fellows are fun times. Thanks for bringing me on the air to rap and chat for a few minutes. Of course, a giant, giant thank you goes out to our good friends, Nemesis Studios, Stan Konopka, very happy for him, and artist Eric Blake, who finally had their book on the table. That's right, the man with no horse is officially alive, and did really well. People seem to be really digging it. Uh, Go to nemesisstudios.com, look into the horror western that is The Man with No Horse by Stan Konopka. And Eric Blake, Nemesis Studios, thank you so much for all your hospitality as well. You are all good family friends. Got to do a lot of exciting, exciting things on the weekend. Got to talk to some artist friends of old. It was fun to see Mark McKenna. Always good times. But the panels, the panels were the main thing of excitement that I'm going to be bringing you over the next few days, as well, of course, as Artist Alley interviews uh, and reviews. Let me tell you a little bit about a few things that went down that were not able to be recorded. Perhaps the biggest thrill of the weekend for me was uh, the opportunity to moderate the Jonathan Frakes Star Trek panel. Oh my god, It was good times. We weren't able to record that one, kids. But let me tell you something. If you're ever at a con and you have a chance to attend Jonathan Frakes and see him 
paneling it up. Please, please don't miss it. What an extremely entertaining, fun and funny guy. Uh, I expected to be doing like the typical moderation duties that uh, I'm kind of used to. And he kind of flipped the script on me. Uh, I don't know if he was extra comfy because he was home in Pennsylvania, or if uh, this is usual deal, because I, I like to go to them ahead of time, and I, I approached uh, him and his handler, and I said, look, sir, I'm available for moderation, unless, you know, some people like to do it themselves, right? Some of these people, like Frakes, have done how many hundreds of thousands of millions of these cons, if not trillions of billions of quintillions, that, you know, sometimes you just, they want the mic, and they do their thing. But he was like, yeah, absolutely, let's roll with it. I was like, oh, okay. And immediately... He kind of flipped the script on me, and he kind of turned it into a duo improv type thing. It was really, really interesting. I wasn't ready for it, but I'm glad that I handled it. And uh, so I guess I was ready for it. I didn't expect it, I should say. But uh, as, as we went up to the table, he starts asking me questions, which was really interesting. And I was actually able to bring to his attention the Star Wars Doctor Who crossover comic books done a little while back, which were fantastic. We talked about that a little. What was also cool is that J.K. Woodward, artist of said comic books, was at the convention and was able to meet and show and share his work with Frakes, who loved it. And that was a very happy, happy, joy, joy little moment. So, uh, yeah, again, great panel, uh, lots of Q&A, great questions from the people. Uh, you know, he talked a, a lot about his Star Trek days and other things that he's done, a lot of his directing. He's a very accomplished director, of course. Uh, he even demonstrated to us, live in person, the Riker walk. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, I had a little tidbit. At one, at one point, his cell phone went off, and he got a text, and the text was from Brent Spiner. And everyone kind of laughed. And uh, I figured he was going to let it go. But then he showed me the phone. He showed me the text. And don't get too excited because I'm not going to tell you what it said. Because Commander William Riker put his trust and faith in me. And I'm not going to go against that kind of code of honor by letting it out. But uh, if you happen to be a friend of mine and you want to know personally, I may tell you in private. Uh, or if you want to maybe get a hold of us at Elegant Weapon, L5J at gmail.com. Of course, go to the website, www.elegantweapon.ca. But it was the most brilliant text I've ever read in my life. And I couldn't help but lose it on stage. And everyone wanted to know. But I wasn't going to tell you. I'm still not going to tell you. But let me tell you, these people have fun. And uh, they are amazing, amazing people. So again, you ever get a chance to see Frakes, go do it. Uh, some other panels over the next few episodes I'll be bringing to you is a live Star Wars panel uh, featuring Mark Dodson, who is on this episode. Uh, he's a voice actor, very accomplished. He is the voice of Salacious Crumb. He is also the voice of the Gremlins. And we had a great panel, and that's the one I'm going to bring to you today. But he was also involved in another uh, Star Wars specific panel with Mr. Clive Revel. That's right, the original Emperor himself from Empire Strikes Back. It was only his second con appearance ever, and I was so honored to have the opportunity to moderate that panel. Uh, a little bit of the problem with that one you'll hear when we get to that episode of telling you about it is that, uh, you know, in a first year con, little tiny kind of mix ups happen, and the Star, Tr uh, Star Trek George Takei panel in the main panel room, uh, was scheduled at the same time as this littler Star Wars one we were doing. So there's a little bit of competition, because once Takei enters the room, madness erupts, and erupts it did next door. So I may kind of cut that up into sort of a best of for you, but either way, you'll get to hear from Clive Reville, uh and just some amazing things that come out of this man's mouth. He absolutely does demonstrate the eight words in Empire Strikes Back to us in, in many different fashions, actually. So we'll bring that to you soon. Very, very cool to hear how the Emperor was born and uh, how the character itself was developed uh, out of eight simple words or or maybe that eight simple words came from but it's really really cool to hear uh, and again Artist Sally chats uh, with Joe Carbone, J.K. Woodward uh, and his partner on his podcast, JK's Happy Hour, with uh, Daryl Taylor, who is in fact the founder of the Taylor Network of podcasts. So that was very, very cool. 
Also, we got a little bit of cross-pod action in there for you. A little bit of cross-pod with Superhero Speak podcast, who we ran into. Met those fellas at the uh, con. Excellent, excellent guys. And as the episodes go on, there's little tiny stories. I got to meet Jake, uh, J. August Richards. Uh, wasn't able to pod with him. Unfortunately, Marvel had him on the press smackdown blacklist. Don't talk to fucking anybody about anything situation. So, uh, But I did get to hang out with him in the green room a bit and chat about uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, uh, you know, uh, a few little stories coming your way. It's very exciting. But first, before I get into all that, I would like to shout out some Kickstarter recommendations for the week. That's right, kids. Your support needs to be directed and guided to the places that I think it should go. Why? Because it's my goddamn podcast. Of course not. I kid. You go support what you love and what uh, you're into, of course. Uh, but I would just like to uh, help a little bit, if I may. The first recommendation through the Kickstarter I have this week is for, of course, our good friend Anthony Rutgazer. The Kickstarter for The First Hero, Volume 2, is in full swing. That's written by Anthony Rutgazer. The artist is Danny Zabal. This is Volume 2 of Action Lab comic The First Hero, Volume 1. Uh, so they're hoping to get this uh, second coming of this situation. It's called The First Hero, Fight for Your Life. Basically, The First Hero is uh, it's a world where everyone who manifests superpowers goes insane, except, of course, for our hero, Jake Roth. Uh, now, Jake Roth, uh, being the only superhero with any kind of sanity and goodness and morality in his mind, must fight for uh, freedom against the rising tide of evil. Please go check it out. The First Hero, Fight for Your Life by Anthony Rutgazer. Uh, it's on Kickstarter now. There's eight days to go. Eight days to go and not that far to go. Uh, they do need a bit of a bump, so get on there and help bump them up. Especially if uh, if you're local. If you're a Toronto kid. If you're a Canadian kid. Support local comic books support to comic books support canadian comic books and go check out the first hero secondly creating a lot of buzz on the internet right now a lot of people are fans of a lot of the people involved with this project's work this work is obscura collected obscura collected is a collection of uh stories it's from fifth dimension comics all right and basically what it is, is a bunch of little horror stories all combined into one epic collection. There's crazy stories featured by uh, writer David Brown's got a few in there. Jason Ford uh, of the Woomates, he's got a story in there. Uh, artist Sean Seals got a story in there. Artist DNS has got a bunch all over the place. Uh, who else is on this thing? There's a bunch of people going on. But anyways, it's it's a collection of these horror stories into Obscura. It's 152 pages of goodness. It's a lot of comic book. It's really eclectic. If you like art, if you like uh, stuff that is outside of the box, this is going to be for you. I had a chance to... Uh review through it and my gosh there is some beautiful beautiful epic artwork in this uh in this collection it's a savage collection of pulp horror and other weird tales again 152 pages of totally unique dark stories that are awaiting for you it collects obscuras number one through four so you can get them all into one big bunch brought to you by fifth dimension comics and seriously uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful collection of work from uh, beginning to end. Go to Kickstarter and check it out. It's under Obscura Collected. Go back this stuff, especially if you love amazing art and if you love really cool, weird, off-the-wall stories. There's some stuff that in there that uh, twisted my mind a little bit. So go get your mind twisted. Go to Kickstarter and please back Obscura Collected Edition. You will not regret it. In fact, right now on Kickstarter, it is a staff pick. That's how exciting it is. Lots of buzz. Lots of really, really accomplished, talented people are involved with this project and you know everything that went into all these stories so check it out check it out check it out the first hero obscura all right now 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 we're gonna get into things a little bit this is one of the most favorite podcasts i've ever done this interview was easily one of the best conversations i've ever been involved with i was so satisfied i was high off pod literally afterwards i I was felt a couple feet off the ground because these are the kind of chalk talks that chalks chalk 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 
These are the kind of talks that get me really excited and get me really stoked. Uh, I'm a big fan of voiceover, as some of you folks may know. And to have a chance to sit down with Mark Dodson was an amazing opportunity. Mark Dodson worked his way up through Skywalker Ranch (laughs) to become the voice of Salacious Crumb. And it's a really, really cool story of how he got involved and how he worked his way up and how he found a goal and the path that he decided to take to it is uh, a little bit off the beaten one. So... Uh, he talks about that. He talks about gremlins. He talks about some of the fine, fine people uh, that I'm sure any of you voiceover fans out there have heard of that he has had the opportunity to work with in the past. Uh, he's got some really, really, really fun stories that are about to come right at you. This is a live panel we did, uh, but we pretty much potted it out and uh, a couple Q&A, of course, at the end. But he is such a nice guy as well. Really laid back. Really normal guy. In fact, when you hear the story about how he goes from carpenter to voice actor, you're going to be like, yeah, I could see you as a carpenter or a voice actor. You wouldn't you just, you know, you wouldn't know. It's uh, it's amazing. But a, a really talented guy. He, of course, puts on display his talents for us, which is really, really cool to be sitting there and hearing Salacious Crumb do his thing right next to you. So please, this will be episode one. Enjoy. Mark Dodson, voice of the Gremlins and Salacious Crumb. We will be back with you next episode for something just as exciting and just as entertaining. So here we go. Here we go, kids. Everybody get ready. Y'all stoked? Y'all stoked? This is it. This is our big adventure. Here we go. We begin our voyage through the great Philadelphia Comic-Con 2015. Mark Dodson. How's everybody doing? Having a fun day? This is Mark Dodson. He is the voice of your childhood and mine. Maybe not all of them, but eventually. You you kids here, you will learn and you will be part of your childhood as well. Of your your childhood nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't know. What is that recording us? Yeah, it's a little digital recorder. It's a a handy little thing. That's cool. God. (laughs) So, uh, so it's come a long way. Thanks for sitting down. And uh, yeah, let's make sure we're all. Uh, I can. Uh, you guys can hear me, right? I don't know if I need. Well, this. yours is a voice we need to hear. So. Okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Coming up next. Uh, thanks for sitting down. Thanks for coming to Philly. Yeah. Fantastic thank times. You. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to be in Philadelphia. I've never been here, and I'm real excited. We're going to the City Tavern. Oh yeah. Tonight. Has anybody here been there? By uh, Independence Hall. Okay. It's where, I'm told it's where George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin used to hang out and drink. So I'm like, oh, I gotta go there. (laughs) So so we're gonna do that tonight. Yeah. Well, that's good times indeed. Yeah. Uh, It's only my uh, second time to Philly, personally. I'm actually up from Toronto. Okay. And uh, I think it's great down here. It's a gorgeous city. It is pretty coming in. You know, lots of fun people. So, um, yeah. Shall we start from the beginning? How, in fact, did you become the voice of so Now, that is such childhood? a long story. I'll try to, I've tried over the years tried to condense it. To get, condense it. Um, I wanted to be a director-producer when I was a kid. And behind the scenes. I wanted to work behind the scenes. But I also had fun playing with doing voices, you know, impersonations. That would have been in the 60s and the 70s. So in those days, you know, we were kids, we were impersonating, you know, Bela Lugosi's Dracula and those kind of characters. And uh, Edward G. Robinson and, you know, the gangsters of that time. You know, I guess I should kind of do it a little bit, right, rather than just tell you. So, you know, it was like when I was a kid, it was uh, Bela Lugosi was like, the walls of my castle are broken, the shadows are many, but calm. I bid you welcome. You know, it was that kind of stuff. Right on. Yeah. And uh, children of the night, what beautiful music they make. And the fun thing about Dracula is then you could go 
crazy with him because they can get like this and he can get really crazy. <laughs> and you know, so when you're a kid and you're a ham and you'd go crazy with Dracula. And my mom would say, wow, well, you're really good. And I thought, well, you're my mom. <laughs> but um, so I played around with that stuff. But my big thing was I wanted to direct produce and, and um, grew up in St. Louis. And so right out of high school at 18, I went out to Los Angeles and figured I would be a production assistant, get a job doing anything, you know, at a studio. I work in the mail room, empty the trash cans, and kind of and work my way up. I ended up with Lucasfilm, and um, they had done Star Wars. And <laughs> I think uh, I've heard of it. I think you've heard of that. Most have. And so, um, but what happened was they were moving everybody from Los Angeles to Marin County. And I was only there about six months, and they didn't need any production assistance up in Marin County. They already had people, and so <clears throat> they were building Skywalker Ranch. Well, I said, well, I want to stay with you guys. Don't they have something they need um, up at the ranch? And they said, well, they're looking for laborers and carpenters. And I told him, well, if, if I could go do that and be there, and then something opens up in production, and you guys promised me that you'd bring me in production, I'll do it. And so I said, okay, if you want to. So I went up and started laboring. Um, and worked at, first I worked at the Kerner Company, which was the code name for ILM and Sprockets. ILM does the special effects, Sprockets did the sound industrial light and magic and um, so I was helping to build the sound studios as a laborer I was carrying all the lumber and people knew that I was waiting for my chance to get in production and somebody said hey Ben's looking for some well I was walking along and I, I was carrying honestly I was walking along carrying lumber and I did Popeye and for some reason, I was walking around, I'm going, while I'm carrying this, you know, and you know how Popeye walks? And I was doing that. You know, and, and uh, somebody goes, that's a pretty good Popeye. And it was a production guy that heard me. And I go, oh, thanks. Did you do voices? And I said, I play with it. And he said, well, Ben Burt's always looking for voices for characters. You should let him know. So I saw Ben one day, and I said, hey, Ben, I'm supposed to let you know I can do voices, but I don't know how good I am, but I, 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 I kind of do. So if you ever are looking, I'd like an audition. Now, a few months later, um, I get through, they had computers going. They are one of the only companies, I mean, they, they were wired already, and came out that they were looking for voices, and he sent it to a friend in production, and a friend said, hey, Ben's looking, and he, and he wanted me to get a hold of you. So I went over to try out for a character for Return of the Jedi. He hands me a script, Ben. I'd never been in front of a professional like that. To, to, you know, my thing was playing around. And um, it was a script for Admiral Akbar. And there was a lot of, it was very wordy copy. And it was the scene where he's describing where the hologram comes up of the Death Star. And Admiral Akbar is describing how they're going to go in and blow up the Death Star. And this is what I'm... And I got so nervous, I started shaking. And I was holding the copy. And I was shaking so bad that I couldn't read the copy. And I'm like trying to get my head to shake. At the, and I told Ben, I'm like, oh man, I'm so nervous. I can't, I, 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 I can't even do this right now. And Ben was very nice. He said, oh, just take your time, relax. Just whenever you're ready. So I'm still shaking. And I said, well, let me go over here and see. Let me, let me shake some of this out. And I walked over with the script in my hand. And I went, ah, 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 and I walked back over. And I had stopped shaking. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. And Ben walks up. He walks right straight over to me. And he goes, give me that. And he took the script away from me. And, and my first thought is, well, I've really made him mad. I've offended Ben Burt by <laughs> acting like a fool. And I'm like, what? And he says, uh, what you just did over there, I have the perfect character for that. It's going to work great. We're going to do a whole bunch of that. Forget Admiral Akbar. And I was like, okay. 
So we went and did about a half hour of cackles and screams and gibberish and Ben described different scenes that aren't any part of Return of the Jedi. Um, but to get those emotions. And um, when screened the movie, um, that was being done at the very end, post-production, sound is done at the very end. So it was just a month or two after I had done that, when screened the movie, and because I hadn't seen it, and I'm with the whole cast and crew in San Francisco, and uh, there's Salacious Crumb screaming and cackling, <laughs> you know, cackling. And I was with my wife at the time, and as soon the first time Salacious Crumb, and I'm sitting in the audience with all these big people, and I'm not, and the, Salacious Crumb does that, and I go, that's me! <laughs> I'm like, oh, shh, I shouldn't have. My wife, this is like, what do you too, mean? I said, yeah. remember when I told you I did all those cacking and all that stuff? I said, that's what I did, that's me, that's what that's he amazing. used it for. Yeah. She's like, oh my gosh. So, so that's how, see, I told you it was a long story. <laughs> But, but what's cool. cool is that the guys that made Salacious Crumb, Chris Wayless and Tony McVeigh, we became friends because they had made the character. And actually, Ben Burt, who did the sound, after the screening, uh, the party after, he came up and, you know, I was like, oh, that was great. He said, you need to meet the guys that made Salacious. And um, so he introduced us. We got together and had lunch. And um, at lunch one day, I said... Wouldn't it be great if there was a whole planet of salacious crumbs? A little bit self-serving, a little bit. And of course they're like, oh, 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 yeah, that would be great. Well, it was like eight months later, I get a phone call from Chris. We exchanged numbers and, and I get a phone call. He's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm working out here at the ranch now. They've got me doing this and I'm laboring. And he said, well, I was just in a meeting and uh, remember you said, wouldn't it be great if there was a planet of salacious crumbs? I said, yeah. And he says, uh, like, bated breath. <laughs> and he says, well, there is. Only the planet is Earth, and they're called gremlins now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, well, Tony and I are working on this movie, Gremlins, with Spielberg. And we were just in a meeting, and Stephen asked us, who did the voice for, for uh, Jabba the Hutt's little guy? He didn't even know his name. And they said, oh, that's Mark Dodson. And he said, do you know how to get him, hold of him? Where? And he said, yeah, he's working up in Marin County, up, up at the ranch. And, he's, and <laughs> he's, Stephen he's says, yeah, and, and he says, well, I think the gremlins should have that voice, should have that type of voice. If there weren't kids here, I'd tell you what I really said. But basically, I was like, you're full of, I can't, yeah, right, they're asking, yeah, right. And he's like, no, really, man, they are. They, they want you, and, and uh, do you want to do it? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> I flipped out. I mean, it was, what a great thing. A week later, I'm down in Los Angeles working with Joe Dante and Mark Mangini and Spielberg and doing Gremlins. The, they had already shot the film by the time they were calling me. So I'm doing two picture on an ADR stage. And I needed an agent to negotiate that, got an agent, and then they started sending me out, um, calling me to audition, went back to Marin, and they started calling me for auditions, and I thought, well, my gosh, maybe I should try this. And I'd go in and audition for a Disney thing, and I got the part, and I'd go, and I kept getting parts. Yeah. And the nerves started going away, Oh, I was so nervous at those sessions. I mean, I'm going in, I'm going into Disney Studios, and there's like one of the best times was um, if you guys ever watched Andy Griffith, and I grew up on Andy Griffith. Little kids probably don't know, but you should. Your parents should be making you watch that on Nickelodeon, or I don't know where. It, uh, which one does it there? Anyway, Otis. I walk in. If you guys know, Otis was the town drunk, very funny character. I walk in. There's Otis. You know, and stuff like that. And I had grown up, and here I am all of a sudden working with these people that I grew up with. It was nerve-wracking, but they always made you feel very comfortable. Mm -hmm. I found over the years, voiceover people are just, seem to be the most laid-back people. Industry. Yeah, they're just really, and they want you to, they, they like to have new people join them and, and be a part of it. They'll help you. They'll, yeah, they'll give you their connections. They're, it's just really, really a, a neat world. Um, 
So that's how it happened. And now, all these years later, you guys hear me doing a lot of, um, I do a lot of video game voices. Um, I've done the Star Trek Online, Heroes of New Earth. Those are some of the bigger games. Um, the video games, I got to ask you a bit about that. Because, I mean, the industry itself, I listen to a lot of like voiceover podcasts and stuff, mm-hmm. pretty big fan myself. And the way that gaming is going, I mean, gaming makes so much more money than movies nowadays. Yeah, and yeah. the talent that they're bringing in is incredible. So that must be exciting to be getting into that. Oh, it is. It's really exciting. It's, it's demanding because you realize, you guys know, in a movie, it's, you know, either the character lives or dies. And, you know, when you're a character in a video game, anything can happen. So what would usually be not that much dialogue, you know, in a, in a 30, in a, in a half hour, like I did Animagic was in Darkwing Duck. I did, uh, you know, those things were nothing compared to a video game because I'm usually, well, I'm always the bad guy. Um, I was going to say, I like to say usually, but the truth is I'm usually Satan or somebody like that. And, uh, I'm, and I die and, or I live and there's different things to say. And not only that, but it's funny when you're being directed because it's like, okay, well, how, how do I die here? Well, you're falling off a cliff. Give us some of that. Or now you're shot. Now you're stabbed. Now you're strangled. Now you're, you go through so many things. It's called emotes and you do all the emoting. You just improvise that stuff. And then there's so many lines for the different things that can happen in a video game. So it ends up being a very long, very grueling. Um, it, believe it or not, you work up a sweat. I believe it. You, you really do. And uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And they always want, no matter, you know, you can do the best first take you can imagine, and they still want to hear, let's see if we can get something better. <laughs> so those sessions are, are pretty, uh, they're, they're, they're draining is what it is. But they're fun. Then, then I do. I narrate on Outdoor Channel. I just did a show. Uh, I narrate on History Channel. I just did the Legend of the Superstition Mountains. I don't know if you saw that, but that's the voice I use, and it's about the the lost Dutchman's mine and two hundred fifty million dollars worth of gold hidden in those hills. So you know. So I don't just cackle. There's not a lot of call for cackle. You say words sometimes. I do speak. <laughs> I do speak. Well, that's so I do who, who are some of the people maybe you've worked with that uh, you remember that were maybe some of the oh, most Oh, well, fun? I mean, to me, you know, well, Howie Mandel was, was so great. So you did because, get to in session? You guys yeah, didn't record separately? No. When we okay. did Gremlins, we, we were all together. Oh, that's we great. did ensemble is what they call it. And we did it as an ensemble. And Howie Mandel is Gizmo. And um, so I worked with Howie. Frank Welker was Stripe. I'm the majority of the rest of the Gremlins um, and the mischievous Mugwise. Um, Frank Welker. I mean, I grew up on Frank. Frank is Fred in Scooby-Doo. You know, I was the first generation. I was born in 1960, just to give you perspective. Frank is Megatron to you young Frank is Megatron. (laughs) Yes, you guys know him as Megatron. Yeah. Um, For to me, I grew up with Frank. He was Fred on Scooby-Doo, which is the cool guy. Which he still is to this day. And he still is. Yes. Uh, He's also on Scooby-Doo. That was really big when I was a kid. Scooby-Doo was very big. He was also um, always the bad guys and the ghosts. (laughs) Dr. Claw. Yeah. And and he was always, which I love, you know the line, you guys, anybody that's watched Scooby-Doo. Frank is the guy that always, when they pull the mask off, that says, Mr. Whoever, he says, yeah, I almost got away with it. And if it wasn't for those kids and that dog, I would have. That's Frank Welker. So to me, that's like such a famous line. So everybody knows if it wasn't for those kids and that dog, I would have gotten away with it. Wow. That's Frank. Um, you know, working with those people, June Foray, I've worked with. June is the voice of um, Granny and Tweety Bird and all the Warner Brothers females. All the, all the women in the Fractured Fairy Tales, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, you guys remember Bullwinkle and Boris Badenoff. Well, Boris Badenoff was Paul Fries, who I love. Ooh boy, Moose and Squirrel. I love Paul Fries. 
Um, Paul's passed away in the 80s. June's still around. And um, so to work with, you know, with those people, um, you know, Jim Cummings, um, who is Winnie the Pooh now, yeah, yeah. and Tigger. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jim and I are good friends. We see each other at these shows. Oh, wow. Um, we work together on, Dar he's Darkwing Duck. Yeah. We work together on Darkwing Duck. Um, my God, I could go on and on. To me, the cool thing, because you asked, when, when we were doing Gremlins, and we were doing it a, about 10 seconds at a time, and when we got to, for those of you who've seen it, there's a movie theater scene where we take over this movie theater where they're showing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is what they were showing. And honestly, we were doing the scene and all of a sudden that came up for us to see, you know, what are you going to do on this? And here it is. And all of a sudden, the Seven Dwarfs come up and go, hi-ho. And then, of course, we go, hi-ho. <laughs> we end up seeing with them. Well, when the seven dwarfs came up, talking about who have I worked with? I've worked with seven dwarfs. Wow. I, I literally went, oh my God, I'm working with the seven dwarfs. And Joe Dante's like, are you crazy? I said, yeah, that's why I'm here. But um, yeah, it was uh, so, you know, and, and my, one of my favorite vampires was in Gremlins 2. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to go blank. Uh, come on, you guys. In Gremlins 2, he plays Dr. Catheter. Christopher Lee. Yes, Thank yes, you, Christopher Lee. Himself, yeah, yes, yeah. Christopher Lee. If one of them should get away, they'll be the most appalling press. We can't <laughs> let them get away. But yeah, that, those are the kind of things, you know, I'm as much of a fan as y'all are. I'm a big fan. And when I get to be in those kind of things, so you know, it's, it's just... Uh, so I could go on and on yeah, with, yeah. with the people that I've worked with or been in, been a part, you know, worked directly with or been in a film with. Well, the, the, the industry is, like, I find from what I've heard and the people I've talked to, that it's so supportive that often you guys, if you get a role, you know it's not good for you, the first thing you'll say to your agent is, get this guy. Always. This is for him. Always. This isn't for me. Once, you know, when you're starting out, you're pretty much like, I'll try out for anything because, you know, I'm needing to eat and I need to get parts and I need to see what's going to click and what's going to work. But when, after you get into it and you start realizing what really works, if a part comes to you that you know somebody else is much better for, there's, there's two reasons. It's partly self-serving because I don't want to look like I don't know my strengths and weaknesses. You know, I want those producers and directors to respect me and if I got something that I went this isn't me I don't want to waste your time this isn't me I can't pull this off and they, even if they say oh no try it no this really isn't me but I'll tell you who would do this perfect Jim Cummings mm. get Jim yeah. and they will in fact it just happened uh, not too long ago oh, yeah? with a video game yeah with a video game very cool. And you know, um, yeah, we do. We yeah. we help each other out. Yeah. Certainly. Well, you, most people in your industry have such a love for the craft that they want everything to work out so well that they're gonna they're gonna go along those lines. Yeah. And, you know, because with your voice, you have a tool that I mean, as an actor, you've kind of got to age with your roles, sort of thing. But with your voice, it's timeless. I mean, Rob Paulson's playing a Ninja Turtle. 25 years after right. playing a Ninja Turtle. Right. You know? That's it's, right. It's, it must be an amazing thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you know, your voice drops a little bit as you get older. You get deeper. Um, but I can still reach the highs and, and, you know, I can push it. And, Do you exercise? Um, do you ever kind of... Yeah, I do. Uh, I, my way of exercising is singing. Okay. More than anything. I mean, I, I do the warm-ups. I do the, the, the lift in the soft palate and this is all stuff and breathing deep and you know all that kind of stuff and loosen up and loosen the neck so that when I do the so that when I do it I don't tear up my throat because right. you can and, and then you're not good for what if you need to do something the next day and you're like oh I blew my I blew my voice out yesterday so I do warm up that way but I'll tell you the truth I warm up with Waylon Jennings <laughs> and Johnny Cash and bluegrass. I'll put on some Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys, and I'll get in there and or Hank Williams, and I'll do some. You know, I try so hard, my dear, to show that you are my every dream. 
you know, and I, I, I sing. Uh, I put on a CD. I still use CDs. And I, I put on a, and I go, okay, if I'm doing a really deeper character, I'll put in some uh, Waylon Jennings and do, I've always been crazy. Okay, so like a, okay. it's like a tonal warm. You put on the music. So yeah, I do that. So it's, okay. And it helps me, I don't know, um, if I'm doing a, I mean, I hate to admit it, but sometimes I have been asked to do the Crypt Keeper oh. at Halloween. I do a lot of Halloween, uh, the parks and the, you know, that do stuff and I'll do things there and commercials. I do lots of that. Were you the Crypt Keeper? No. Okay. No, that's John uh, Craig. I can't think how you say his name. Okay. No. But, oh, hello, frenzies. And so, uh, you know, so what do I do? I put on uh, the music. I have the CD, the music uh, from, um, uh, the, what's he in? See, I do so much stuff, I end up forgetting all the different. Um, come on, you guys, what's the Crypt Keeper from? Tales. Tales from the Crypt. And so I'll put on, I've got the... And I'm like... And I put that on in my studio, and I listen to that song over and over. I love that song, and I crank it up, and I listen to the song from Tales from the Crypt, and then all of a sudden I feel like I'm the Crypt Keeper, and I go in and I do Hello, Frenzies, and I, you know. Do you ever have some trouble turning it off? Like when you get into a zone, do you find you go home and you end up talking to someone? I don't know. I used to, sometimes, but um, I've found that, especially because I do a lot of really dark characters, I, what I say is I need to leave them in the booth. Okay. I don't really, because if, you know, when, you, when you're doing voiceovers, you're, it's not doing a voice. If, if you're just doing a voice, it's not, it, it's not, it doesn't sound real. You become the character. And I've said, you know, I feel like if I looked in the mirror when I'm doing the gremlins, I would see a gremlin. I mean, I become that much. So when I'm done, I need to leave that in the, in the booth. I really don't want to take them with me. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm not somebody who, like if we, if, like with friends when we hang out, you won't hear me doing voices. Okay. Yeah. Some do. Some do. Um, I'm not one of those yeah. at all. You know, you weren't like the I, class clown, like always. No, yeah, okay. I wasn't the class clown. <laughs> yeah. um, I was very quiet. I was very shy. Right on. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't expect to ever be in. And I took drama and I took all that stuff, but I was always too nervous to do so. I was always, I was always like, oh, let me do makeup. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And, and, they, and I was like, I want to do the stagecraft. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to build the set. And then, and then you're in Star Wars. And then, yeah, the next thing I'm... I'm have so. you ever done real bad damage? Have you ever had, like, a session that really hurt you? Or Yeah, some of the video game sessions. I would imagine have. the screaming. The screaming. The, that's what does yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, you're screaming. You know, and then, you know, the director's like, you know... Yeah, I think it was a good scream, and she'd be like, "Oh no, you, you you're just saying it. You're not." And I'm like, "Okay," I'm not and then I, your pain. yeah, I'm not feeling it, and I'm like, "Punch the air," you know. And we do Skype. I have a studio in my home, which a lot of boys, well, all, we all do Tell now. Tell me, you built it we yourself? Do. I did build it, like with your own hands. Yes, awesome. of course. I yeah, I was. I grew up in the Midwest. That's great. If a man can't use his hands, he's not worth crap. That's how that's how I brought up. So, uh, so yes, I built my studio, and um, uh, so they're directing over Skype. But I don't have a camera. I don't want anybody to see me. And so the director would be like, "You know, you're not punching the air." I'm like, "I'm just punching the air. You can't <laughs> see me. I'm punching right now. You know." And, but um, punch harder. Yeah, scream louder. Those were the ones that do. Gremlins didn't. Um, Gremlins was six hours a day for five days. And that was all very from, from the diaphragm. Right. And it didn't. And every morning when I'd come in, Joe, the director, he'd be like, how's your voice this morning? They were worried that I was, I'm like, fine. It really That's doesn't. Nice. Yum, ah, yum, 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 yum. 
all that. I can't believe that doesn't I, hurt I more love it. after a it week. It doesn't, you know. Uh, it was a, yeah. But, but I tell them, I'm like, my, do- my stomach muscles, like, I'm getting a workout down yeah. in here because I'm pushing. You feel it. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'd say, no, my stomach's really sore this morning, but my throat would be fine. Do directors ever give you warning? Like when you're going to go into a session, they're like, okay, this might be a heavy day. You know, yeah. you may not want to talk oh, yeah. for the morning. So yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, the video game stuff. That's it. Oh, yeah. The yeah. other stuff, like <clears throat> like Outdoor Channel, I use my boy. I'm just like coming up next on Outdoor Channel. The, the director, went up, that was one of those I went in to read, and I did it more of the, you know, coming up next on Outdoor Channel. And the guy's like, no, no, we just want you. And I was like, <laughs> coming up next he's like this was great he says uh do it like you don't even want to be here and i was like i've never been directed that way interesting okay coming up next on outdoor channel that's what we want i was like are you serious yeah so i've been doing i've got like six years of bow madness you know, That's and, awesome. and uh, natural born on, and um, so yeah, yeah. Um, so those don't hurt at all. Those are like just smoke a few cigarettes before <laughs> <laughs> and drink some coffee and go in, and I don't want to be here. Who did you do on Darkwing Duck? I did Professor Moliarty and his hench moles, and I was Darkwing Duck's dog, which was a cool <laughs> one because. The first session, I went in and did a whole bunch of barks and stuff, and they put it in every episode. So that's one of those, that's like mailbox money. Yeah, you don't even know. They, you just keep getting yeah. checks. What is it called when they make that? Uh, it's like a cash or whatever. They'll like pre-record a bunch of stuff and then use it for other B-roll episodes. B-roll stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, wild lines is what, it, what okay. it, they call it. Do just a bunch of wild lines. And that was one of those where I kept getting checks. I'm like, wow, this, they're just using this in every episode. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> that was nice. I ate that year. Well, Because that was be- early. That was, well, when that, that was in 92. Was it even that I had late? done, yeah, yeah I was like yeah, 90, so. 90, 91. Around there? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I started, well, Jedi was 83. Wow. Yeah. And I did radio. I was a DJ for, uh, Dick Clark had a company called Unistar Radio Networks, and I was, and I DJed. Cool. I loved it, and country, of course, and I loved doing that. That was a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, I just started, I I was working. (laughs) Well, it's got to be an exciting time now when the industry is gaining so much popularity, you know, due to things like John DiMaggio's I Know That Voice. I don't know yeah, what is going on? Why does everybody want to be a voice guy nowadays? I can't believe how many people... Well, I remember back to this. I remember being a young kid in the 80s, and when a special would come on where you'd get to see Mel Blanc oh, right. doing the voice, yeah. for some reason it was this thrilling feeling of getting to actually watch it come out of his mouth for some reason. And I think it's there's something it probably that... probably is. You know, people it are used to hearing this voice... Yeah. And then to see it and hear it live, uh, like one of the most amazing moments I ever saw at a con was Anthony Daniels up in Toronto. And there's this little, I think oh it was like five or six year old kid, yeah. <laughs> and he walked up to the little kid and he bent over and he spoke as 3PO. And this kid just like turned white and was just so confused and yeah. frozen and amazed. It was like to That's be able great. to do that, it's. So it must be exciting for you. More exposure, more cons, more... Yeah, it is. I do a lot of these, and it really is fun. I mean, I love meeting the fans. Um, I would have never expected this. This is amazing. This, I started doing these a few years, about four years. I was told about them and asked if I wanted to do them for a long time. And, you know, I was working, and I was just like, you know, my weekends... I, and I just was like, nah, I don't know, nobody's, I, nobody would want to see me. Yeah. There's a few people here that seem to want to see me. Well, I think I see a few so, interested faces. So uh, um, that yeah. was a big part of it was, you know, I just was like, I, and then there was one in St. Louis. You know, I moved back to St. Louis in 93 and worked from there now. And, um, and the friend said, hey, why don't you just do it? I know the people that are running this convention contact them just try it no 
and then I don't want it to. And then he was like, come on, come on, do it. I said, all right. So I did, and I did. And it was um, Archon, is what it's called in St. Louis. And I, and I, and I had a great time. And, and fans were really super nice <laughs> and really liked. You know, my thing is I want you to, they loved my, the characters that I was a part of, yeah. you know? And to see so much affection for Salacious Crumb and the Gremlins mm. just feels really, it felt really good. Yeah. And honestly, and I was getting paid. Just, hey. It's like, <laughs> I'm getting paid to have people tell me they like me. Hey, yeah. This is really fun. <laughs> I think I'll do this some more. So, oh, so I, do, I, do, uh, I do a couple of months now. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's like, a speaking of, of these people, um, does anybody have any questions that they'd like to ask? Yeah. I was kind of grew up with Gremlins. It was a huge part of uh, my movie sci-fi sort of bringing uh, up. Um, one of the biggest attractions of the movie series is how goofy it is. It's supposed to be kind of dark, but it's also very funny. What would you say is the funniest? For Gremlins One, um, Gremlins One, just working, you know, the in between takes, uh, and the and the the things that you you know that that, that can't be used in the movie, the <laughs> things that we would say to each other, uh, that was the most fun. Um, you know, Howie Mandel was a stand-up comedian at the time. That that's what he was known for, and I knew him as a stand-up. I loved his stand-up. Um, it was. You know, that's that's the most that was the most fun part. And like I said, seeing that I was in a movie with the Seven Dwarfs, that was really does a big. I think I called my mom and said, "I'm in a movie with the Seven Dwarfs." It's like, what are you talking about? That's a pretty big deal. Say it again. Yes, and I'll tell you what happened. How he came in, and I said. He said, hi, I'm Howie. And I said, I know who you are, of course. I said, I'm Mark. And we went to shake. And he went like this. And I was, this was in 84. People didn't do that. that I, I, I was just like, so I was like, okay. And I just kind of figured it out. And we bumped. Now, I'll tell you the truth. He went to take a break. I don't know, half hour or so later. We're working together and everything. But the whole time I'm thinking, a jerk. <laughs> Guy won't even shake my hand. What do you think he's better than me? I'm thinking that. I'm being honest with you here. When he left to take a break, I said to Joe Dante, the director, "What's up with him?" <laughs> he's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, I went to shake his hand. He wouldn't even shake my hand. He like puts a fist up there." He goes, "Oh, he's a germaphobe. He does that with everybody." Don't take it personal. I'm like, oh my god, now I feel bad. I thought he was just a jerk. He's like, no, he's it's a germ thing, and I'd never heard of that. And, and now everybody back then, especially. everybody's a germaphobe now. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> everybody's bumping. To this day, Gremlins is still my Christmas movie. Every oh, cool. Christmas Eve, I cannot go That's through cool. a Christmas Eve without watching Gremlins because it's, yeah. it's a great, it's a scary movie, it's a fun movie, a classic movie, but it is a Christmas movie. There's a huge Christmas element that it's all. I don't Christmas. know if anybody agrees, but it brings yeah. a certain seasonal feeling to the horror of yeah. Gremlins. It's yeah, so, the, the the opening song. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's a Christmas movie. It's all thing. It's, yeah, yeah. The Mugwai yeah. is a Christmas present. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, of course, there's the Santa Claus scene with Phoebe. Did you? Uh, did you at all get to scene. spend much time on set? Did you get to visit? No, and, no, no, I didn't. I wasn't on set at all. I was. That was all done on a, on an ADR stage. Okay. Yeah. 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 At Paramount is where it's funny. Warner Brothers works at Paramount. They all work yeah, together. So yeah. So we did that over at Paramount. On the Bing Crosby stage. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Like, I remember you were saying, like, you know, you kind of try to leave in the booth and, like, not take the characters from mm-hmm. I remember being, like, real young and, like, I first saw Brothers and, like, I laughed and I was scared at the same time. So then, like, Christmas trees at my grandma's house, like, ever since. 
Right? No. <laughs> no. No. Not really. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I do. I do. I do voices at Halloween. I'll play around with it at Halloween, and I'll do things like to to my kids, or you know, once in a while something will, will pop out, but but not very often. So you do have kids. I have grandkids. I have okay. kids, grandkids, stepkids. They must- Love it. Like maybe your kid kids got yeah. used to it, but the grandkids, come on, they must be like all about it. Do they understand? Or I don't think they. I don't do it that much. Well, I guess you know? not. But um, I'm grandpa. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's. Um, but grandpas are supposed to have silly voices. Well, you've got a million. <laughs> and I do, and I do them. It's just um, not your thing, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they uh, they like it, but they don't ask. I'm saying they don't ask for it. Like do okay. that, do that. You know, right. if it's the right moment and something, or to, you know, if it was, oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been good this year? You know, if I yeah, tell no, them, yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, something. Like, yeah, I might play around a little bit, you know, but and they'll go, oh, grandpa, and they'll giggle and whatever. Um, they're um, the oldest is ten, and they go. Ten, seven, four, and three months. One was just born. Oh, New Year's Eve. Oh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, Eve baby. baby. Yeah, I'm like, oh boy. She's My gonna have oh, her, her birthday parties are gonna be wild someday. But, yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's lots of so, fun yeah. times. And of course, the littlest ones, I don't do it at all. Um, like I don't even let them see the pictures of gremlins the, the gremlins sure. and things yeah, yeah. because how are they? You know, it's like that's well, they wouldn't even if I said that's me. Probably they would you get scare it. the yeah. hell out of your grandkid? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know what I mean? That's me. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of scary. Um, uh, I have to ask: uh, Have you ever worked with Rob Paulson? No, I never have. Okay, Rob Paulson, for who's not Rob familiar, Rob. is uh, Pinky, he is uh, Yakko, mm-hmm. he is Raphael, and now Donatello. Told a story recently. Uh, he has a podcast. By the way, voiceover fans, he has a podcast called Talking Tunes. And all these individuals that Mark has mentioned have been on that show. June Foray, Clancy Brown, all of them. And you can hear all their same stories, kind of versions of this. It's great stuff. But he was telling a story. He has a son. He has a 30-year-old son. And all growing up, son never cared. Never cared about what he did or the cartoon. Sure, that's just dad, blah, blah, blah. And just two weeks ago, his 30-year-old son comes home and was like, threw out some video game. And was like, dad, you were a voice and like, whatever, whatever. (laughs) And he didn't remember it. He was like, all right, sure. So yeah. he'd show you, you know, yeah, the kids might not even notice because, like you say, your grandpa. Grandpa. Yeah, yeah. 30 years later, some video game. Now the like, video game mattered, yeah, right, like, because that was because he's into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So he's, in, yeah. Here's if you were a Ninja Turtle. You're yeah. You're blowing people up. Right, right. Yeah. Anybody I like else? the Ninja Turtles. I thought the Ninja Turtles were cool. And, well, is there but, is there anything you'd like to do that you haven't had a chance? Yeah, I wanted, I want, yeah, it didn't yeah. take me a second to, to think, did I? I yeah. want to work with... Uh, Tim Burton. Oh. I want to do a Tim Burton character voice. That'd be interesting. For an anim- yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like something original, I, like like an original yeah, voice. Not yeah, something, yeah, something new. Oh, I'd love, I hear they're doing another Beetlejuice. I'd love to be a, a ghost or a something. something scary in Beetlejuice, in that, the new Beetlejuice. Cool. Oh, God, yeah. I'd love that. That would yeah. be so much fun. <laughs> would have been fun to do the Beetlejuice cartoon, I'm sure. Yeah, that would have been fun. I would have loved to have done that. Yeah. I didn't this get a part of that. Of, Come for your daughter, yeah. Chuck. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, yeah. Are there any uh, actually made characters that you would love to have the chance to, to do? Um, yeah, yeah if, like they ever, if they ever did redid Bullwinkle, I'd love to be Boris Badenoff. Okay. Oh, boy. Moose and Squirrel, Natasha, 
You know, I, I love Paul Free's stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that would be, yeah, I'd love to do that. Oh, I'd love to be in the new Star Wars. If hey. anybody can, uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be Rebels. fun, but nobody's called. The phone uh, hasn't rang. Keep pushing. They're doing some so, so the stuff. new, well, I mean, it's still, you know, until they get into post production. Yeah. And, That's uh, an insane, well, the cartoons even, Rebels and Clone Wars. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing there that. There is some insane talent, like James Arnold Taylor. Well, they, they bring in great actors. Oh, you know, yeah. when I started out, they didn't, those actors would have never done. Yeah. voiceover now all the yeah. on camera guys all the big stars want to do yeah so you know I mean if yeah. Yeah. if James Earl Jones wants to do the voice they're probably going to take him over me yeah they might think? let him do yeah, I think, do an episode or so yeah. you know <laughs> but yeah I think uh, so Who I mean that's what the future holds you know obviously but yeah I mean I you know lots more to do so that's there's exciting. always oh my gosh if anybody here wants to do voiceover there's so much to do that you know I mean, I was telling somebody, well, the amount of commercials I do in a year, I mean, I'm the voice of Wild Turkey Whiskey, Remington Rifles, Remington Ammunition. Oh, yeah? Um, oh, yeah, I do all, all that stuff of Mossy Oak. I do a lot of outdoor uh, products, um, hunting things, um, fishing. I just did four spots for Yum!, it's a if you guys watch, you'll be seeing it. They're pretty cool. They're, they're fun commercials. They're uh, fishing lures, you know. <laughs> Basically, I do a lot of the stuff that you guys mute or fast forward through, <laughs> but they still have to pay me, even though you guys aren't watching it. So, and commercial work is really good. Um, that's that's where the you get, it keeps that's running. That's where the yeah the, yeah that's where that stuff really keeps going. So right? there's all that, but then there's also a lot of industrial work that people don't think about. I do a lot of stuff around. I'm in St. Louis, so I do a lot of Anheuser Busch. All their in-house. It's called industrials, and like I mean, I do industri- I'll do an industrial every week. I'll do a, a commercial every week. I'll do a video game. There's yeah, there's just and then the narrations. I just right. now I'm doing another. Now what's a new one? Epic Adventures. That's fun. This week on Epic Adventures, you know, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a people Good times. Good times. living out their epic dreams. And Anyone it's else? So. Yep. On camera, if I would love to be a pirate in Pirates of the Caribbean, keep a weather eye, dead men tell no tales. Do you remember? Uh, was it Peter Pan and the Pirates? Yes. Tim Curry. Yes. Tim, Curry Tim Curry's great. Part, okay. Tim yeah. Curry. I love Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah I'd love to do that. Or um, I get. I do a lot. Of, a lot of times, if they want. You know, they'll say, oh, we want a Sam Elliott kind of thing. And I do ride. I I'm, I'm, um, grew up with horses and all that. I'd love, I'd love to be in a, a really a good Western, like a tombstone Western. Um, yeah, I'd like to do a Western or a pirate movie. Nice. I would, awesome. uh, that I would do on camera because I, don't, I wouldn't really have to act. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could yeah. just go and kind of be. It wouldn't exactly be method. Yeah, just yeah. tell. Yeah, it would be. It would be like, yeah, yeah. okay, you're this Character kind. Of, I'd play. be like, nah, yeah. that's that's easy. Super cool. So, um, um, that that would be it. Other than that, no, I don't. I I wouldn't. I love doing the voices for them. I mean, you, sir. I can barely. You ever had it. any offers that you just didn't want? Oh yeah, like, that just weren't appealing. And yeah, I mean, for a lot. Yeah, I, I look at scripts every week, and I, I go through. Hmm, I go through at least fifty scripts a week. Damn. That things that you know to to audition for, and I choose, and out of fifty a week, I might audition for five. You know, the rest of them are like, that's not me. Or, wow, I wish that was better written. The writing, it just doesn't flow out of, my, out of me that right. I try it. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to try it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to actually submit something. I might go in my booth and lay down a few takes and be like, uh-uh, this just doesn't work. And then 
you know, writers are real. They just love their own words. <laughs> you know? And if in an audition you start trying to give it, well, this is how it should be written. You're probably not going to get that job real quick, especially for an ad agency. You know, the ad agency guy is just going to be like, yeah, he changed my script. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, there's a, a lot of things that I'm in after 30 plus years, I can I get enough <clears throat> to choose from nice. that, that I do turn down. You, sir. Uh, no, but I've not gotten a lot of parts that I regret. I mean, I wanted to be Eeyore really bad. And, um, <laughs> oh, bother, Pooh Bear. And I, and I was like, that's a natural for me. Yeah. Um, I tried, I didn't get the part. Um, I mean, I could sit here and, you know, I tried out Muppet Babies I didn't get. Oh. So, you know, I tried out, and I tried out for almost every that one, one of them. Hurts. Yeah, it hurt Muppet a lot. Muppet Are you kidding? Yeah, I oh, my gosh. Yeah. But Eeyore hurt the most. Yeah. Eeyore hurt so much, I called my agent when she called me and said, you didn't get it. And I said, okay, all right, okay. I get, that's okay, that's all right. Half hour later, I called her and said, you know what? I'm done with this damn business. I don't even want, don't even send me another audition, Andrea. I'm serious. I'm done. I quit. Yeah. Tell me the last name of that. Hung is up. Romano? It is. Oh, my God. Andrea Romano was my agent. Now she's a director. I called Andrea. She was a special artist. She started out an agent. I call Andrea the next morning. Hey, Andrea. She's like, yeah, Mark, what's going on? I said, um... I'll audition if you have something for me. <laughs> but, but that's how bad that one hurt. I've told uh, many people how, how much not getting you are. Uh, <laughs> I still can't believe I didn't get you. But, you know, um, you don't get everything. You, you try out and you can't expect any part in this business. No matter what. There's too many variables. There's too many... You know, you just, and after you're in it long enough, you, you do it and you move on. You don't, I don't even think. Now it's a month later and I get a call. Hey, this is so-and-so. We want you for this commercial. And I'll be like, what, what is it? And then they'll tell me, I'll say, oh God, I tried out for that a few months ago. I mean, I'll, I'll, I actually, well, the History Channel thing that I just did, I tried out for that in October and we just did it. Uh, three, four weeks ago, we did all the episodes. And yeah, and and I get the call, and I'm like, oh, I forgot I even tried out for that thing. I mean, really, you do. And you're like, so that's, you know, and that's a good place to be in this business when you can do it and forget it. Because it'll hold you back. You know, you're waiting to hear, waiting for the phone to ring, and then when it doesn't, and then when when it's a no, and you were so had your heart set on it, you quit. Oh, <laughs> You're like, yeah. I'll never audition again. But, yeah. Is that all for the questions? All right. I think we will Great let Mr. Questions. Dodson go. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, sir, for... That was awesome. That was a great time. Really uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate everybody coming. And, and of course, Mark is over in uh, the Celebrity Alley over there. So go pop over, say hello, you know, get I'm a picture signed, and uh, yeah, yeah, go home and watch. Or just come over and say hi if you got any more questions. Beauty. I'm sitting there, so <laughs> come on over and say hi. Awesome. Thank y'all. That was great.